Hello and welcome to Made to Measure, the podcast of the Journal of Trading Standards. I'm Paul Evans. In this week's episode, we speak to Bruce Trelaw, CTSI's lead officer for holiday and travel law. Travel is a hot topic at the moment. The collapse of Thomas Cook, which hit the headlines last month, resulted in holidaymakers being stranded abroad, with some worried that they could be left out of pocket. With that situation to some extent still ongoing, Bruce takes Thomas Cook's demise as a lens through which to view issues in the wider travel market. Many of those issues arise from the way in which people book their holidays. As with so many other consumer habits, things have moved online, with websites offering a bewildering array of choices. Flights, accommodation, meals, vehicle rental and sundry other components are often packaged and linked in ways that can make it unclear who the customer is actually dealing with and, importantly, who is liable when things go wrong. This is further complicated by travel products being sold on social media sites. In response to this increasing complexity, the Packaged Travel and Linked Travel Arrangements Regulations 2018 came into force in July of last year. As Bruce discusses, this legislation has been designed to offer holidaymakers greater protection and to establish what precisely constitutes a package holiday, what qualifies as a linked travel arrangement, and how those definitions affect the consumer's rights. Bruce has also authored an upcoming booklet offering more detailed guidance on the new legislation, published by the Department for Business, Energy and Industrial Strategy with the support of CTSI. An invaluable resource for travel businesses, consumers and those in the trading standards profession, it will be available to download from the Business Companion website next month. But for now, Bruce gives us an overview of some of the key points. My name is Bruce Trelaw, and I'm the Trading Standard Lead Officer for Holiday and Travel Law. Now, that involves me in advice to business mainly, but also to help consumer groups and help other trading standards authorities. So the main purpose of this episode is to get to grips with the Package Travel and Linked Travel Arrangements Regulations 2018. Before we start going into the details, though, could you give us a brief overview of the legislation's key points? The key parts of the package travel and linked travel arrangements, which came into being on the 1st of July 2018. Now, there's going to be a lot of different different definitions for packages, and also there's going to be linked travel arrangements, which we'll get into later. The important point is to make that it's likely that many more travel companies are going to be involved in this and have to sort out their business systems and practices to take account of exactly what these the new requirements will be. If I can just explain, there are three main areas, actually, because what you're going to have to do as a business, especially if you've got a travel agency as well, you're going to have to sort out exactly what procedures you're going to be making when you're selling package holidays or linked travel arrangements in agencies, on the telephone or on your website. So it'd be totally different. There's three main areas, I suppose. Businesses, the business will need to provide security and insolvency protection, they call it. So either if you've got a flight inclusive package holidays, which means you bought a flight and accommodation together, if you've done that, you're going to need a an air travel organiser's licence. I won't get too technical at this early point, but if you have got flights, you may have to provide one of those. And you're going to have to review your contracts with all your customers and your suppliers. They're the three main areas, I think. In terms of what businesses and consumers need to be aware of then, what's changed? 
under the uh, the new rules, the business, businesses will have to make sure they're aware whether they are selling a package or not. That sounds very simple, but a package holiday, whereas it was a simple pre-arrangement previously, you've now got an option where it could be sold in six different ways. Yes, you're still going to have a single contract for a package, much the same way as you had in the old regulations. Now, there have changed, though, because it could be you'll be sold a package in a single booking process, which sounds simple, but this is where you, the customer, will be putting together the bare bones of the package. So you like calling a shopping basket, they've called it in the rules. So you'll select which accommodation, which flight, which car hire if you want those, and you put it all together in that one single booking process. So that's two methods of what a package is. Now, if a customer is sold a package now at a total price or an inclusive price, which sounds very simple, but it used to be online where you could actually provide the option to the customer to buy their accommodation, then separately to buy a flight and separately to buy a car hire. And because you've given the customer an option to select each one of those, put it together at a total price, that wouldn't be covered by the old regulations. But luckily for any enforcement, this is now covered and it should be covered by some form of bonding or protection involved. The fourth one is if it's sold as a package to a customer, the business must make sure it is a package. Because as soon as you mention that magic name package, it means that insolvency protection and you're liable, Mr. Businessman, when you send customers abroad, you're liable for exactly what you're selling them. And then two final ones, which are uh, one's rather confusing. It's called a gift box style package holiday Basically, it means that you can buy a package, but allow the whoever you give it to as a gift, perhaps, to choose exactly what hotel they want and what flight they want, which is slightly confusing. So that is difficult for the business and customer to get hold of. But the final one, which is the most popular one, if I can add, it's sold through a linked online booking process. So what happens here? The customer goes online and they see... Oh, I go onto a flight, an airline website. I'll have that flight. and It will take me to, well, abroad to say Italy. So they'll buy that. And on that same website, the flight website, you'll have a link on there and you'll click on that link and it will take you to some accommodation in Italy. Now, because you have, and they use the term targeted. So you've gone from one booking a flight and you've been linked you've been linked to another website to book your hotel because you've gone through that process and you've been tied into that process because you've had a link involved if when you get to that other hotel website in Italy that it does give your email address and also your name and payment details for that second website then that will become a package it is quite confusing, I can realise that, but this is the way it's worded in the new regulations that when you're going online, that would now be a package. So that gives you a brief overview of what the six versions of a package is. So under the legislation with a linked travel arrangement, if there are several suppliers or websites you've dealt with, let's say an airline and separately a hotel, and something goes wrong with one or the other, you're still covered. Yes, you are. You are. And there is one slightly confusing 
element here. That's you've exactly identified what a package is in that process. Now, if you went to a linked travel arrangement where the bottom line with linked travel arrangement is you pay separately, like you just explained with a package, but in that particular package case, you've been targeted, you pay separately, but that is one package holiday because it's all done. And this is the important point to make. It's all done within 24 hours. So if you buy the flight, you get targeted to the other website. If it goes over 24 hours, it will not be a package after that point. And now the thing you mentioned also is unfortunately the phrase is linked online because with a linked travel arrangement, if you were to go online to that self-same airline website and pay for your flight and Again, you have a possibility of a link to go to another website where you may well pick up a hotel or a car hire system. Now, yes, you pay separately for those two, but you are not necessarily going to buy a package in that case because, and why? Because you have not had your payment details, your name and your email address forwarded onto that second website. So... Because that hasn't gone through, you've bought two separate purchases. That's a linked travel arrangement as opposed to a package. How does a customer know, you're going to say, I have a feeling, how does a customer know he's bought a package and he hasn't bought a linked travel arrangement? He must be told, that's the next point to make, he must be told prior to parting with any money exactly what he's gone ahead and purchased. So He's got to have some information given to him to say, you've just bought a package. You've just bought a link travel arrangement. Now, there's going to be a difference in those two. Just briefly to explain the difference in insolvency protection. So your money is protected with a package. However, it's slightly different with a link travel arrangement. With a package, your insolvency protection means the whole package is protected. All elements of it are protected. Now, if you go ahead and you buy a linked travel arrangement, the only protection is where you bought your first element from, your first flight. If you went to, let's go back to the example of going on to an airline website, you buy your flight, and then you were targeted to another website where you go on to buy a hotel, two separate purchases, no information about you, Mr. Customer, is sent to that other website. So the only insolvency protection is for that airline, only the airline. So if the airline's still working, and unfortunately for the customer, the hotel they bought for some reason collapses, they won't get their money back. All they're going to get back is if that flight, the airline collapses, you'll get your money back then. Under a linked travel arrangement then, is a customer protected from the first link in the chain? Let's say, hypothetically, they buy their travel insurance first and then they're pushed towards an airline's website and then a hotel and then vehicle rental, etc. It's from the purchase of the travel insurance that they're covered. That's a very good explanation. The only trouble being that travel insurance is not a travel service. So that wouldn't become part of a package. That would be a separate transaction and it wouldn't be part of a link travel or a package. So that travel insurance itself won't actually be covered. But the other ones you mentioned, yes, they will be covered. That's a it's a bit of a big issue, that is the fact that you're not going to get covered if you have a travel if travel insurance rather. That in itself. I can briefly mention travel insurance is the fact that if under travel insurance you purchase, 
Don't, as a customer, think that you will always get insolvency protection under travel insurance because the travel insurers will not will not want that liability in case that company collapses. Like recently, Thomas Cook, they could not afford to pay back all those customers who've lost out. In addition to insurance, then, what else isn't covered by the legislation? It's quite specific in the new regulations. In fact, what they say is that it's got to be a combination of travel services, two or more travel services, two or more. And the travel services haven't changed a great deal. They've just added another one from the old regulations. What they said, basically, they've made it slightly more open. They still said it's carriage of passengers, so that could be trains and coaches. And accommodation, obviously, we know what that means. Motor vehicle hire, they call it now, because it could include car and motorcycle hire. And, of course, what they then say is any other travel services, which, again, is quite confusing. But if you were just to think as a customer, if you went to a hotel and in that hotel they had a swimming pool and had something else that you actually went to the hotel for because it was included in that price, then that wouldn't be a package, although that extra swimming pool should really be a separate travel service, but no. But then if you uh, went to a hotel and they advertised the fact that you would get a go to a golf course locally and they would pay you for the opening round, then that would be two separate travel services and that would become a package. So it's the specifics about exactly what a a package is going to be. And obviously, as you mentioned earlier on, when wouldn't it be a package? It's where you can get uh, purchases if you went online and you can no doubt pick up from a bed bank, they call them online, where you can get a hotel. Then you just want a room in a hotel. Now, that is no protection at all with that. The only protection you'll get would be through the Consumer Protection and Unfair Trading Regulations. If it was misleading, yes, you get protection there, but you wouldn't from the packages. Similarly, you can buy a flight only, just a flight. Now, that wouldn't be protected. And you can just these individual travel services you can buy and will we'll not give the customer any protection at all, I'm afraid. So presumably the main advice to consumers would be to do their research before they book anything. Yes, yes, I think that's very important. The customer realises lots of the book a lot more online because it's more convenient and they get, as they would say, a larger choice. But make sure if it's not a bigger website provider who has all sorts of travel services uh, on display which you can select, it's just purely an airline or purely a hotel website, be careful because you don't want to be misled as to what you purchase and you can't look for any protection if it's just a single component sale. So that's what's important for customers. Know what you're buying, as you mentioned earlier. Just know what you're buying. The internet's obviously revolutionised the way people book holidays and it's created new business models like allowing people to rent out their own properties or rooms in their houses. And people are now advertising and selling holiday packages through social media. Has that complicated things? I think where customers now will purchase, they may well, as you say, go to a social media website to purchase if there was availability. Now, what has happened is that there are larger companies who can actually identify that customers are doing this more often. And what they would do is they would... Uh, employ home workers, which seems to be the popular method of doing it now, where they'll get home workers to advertise their products online. And uh, 
unfortunately, a lot of times the home workers are not trained into the finer arts, should I say, of what packages are and what individual components are and how to advertise to make sure customers are not confused. I mean, we've had examples of where an advert goes out and it's just just offering accommodation. However, it makes it clear that there are flights available from the same uh, airport over here. So as it, is it saying rather that flights are available to be purchased as well? If it is all in one go, accommodation and a flight makes it into a package and therefore there's a requirement some insolvency protection, which isn't always the case. And then sometimes they'll give an approximate price, which again is fraught with difficulties. The approximate price means nothing. And as you're aware, approximate prices do vary and you won't get what's the advertised price at the end of the day. And presumably it's not always clear with the consumer exactly who it is they're doing business with. And even sometimes if it's a business or a private individual... I think it's um, important that the customer gets as much information as possible. And I hate to say this, but in some cases, being in trading stands, we're rather pessimistic. The fact that some don't indicate exactly whether they are acting for a company, and sometimes it may not matter that they are, but they do need to tell customers in that advert on social media that they are providing the opportunity for a package with protection for the customer's money because so often now that the customers may well be losing their money and I think that unless they are aware of exactly what they've bought and they should be told, that's what the new rules are saying, they've got to be told exactly what they've purchased and where it doesn't make it clear online when they're selling a product, it'll make it even more confusing if they go ahead and purchase and they aren't given the correct information. Now, you mentioned Thomas Cook, which is obviously a high-profile recent case of a package holiday operator collapsing and potentially causing consumer detriment. How does that situation relate to the new legislation, and are there any lessons that can be learned from it? I think the um, the main point is that there were a few different methods of the way they sold their product. For the customer's point of view, it's a lesson to make sure that you are protected when you buy a package and you are protected if you don't buy a specific package, you might buy a linked travel arrangement. Now, with the Thomas Cook collapse, there were a number of options for the customer to buy different different parts of their particular, uh, different parts of the company, basically. So if they bought, as I mentioned earlier, on a flight-based package holiday, then they are required, in this case Thomas Cook, to provide protection through an air travel organiser's licence, an atoll protected package. Now, what happens then, or what happened in that case, the customer would get flight back, repatriated they call it, get a flight back without any extra purchase, and they could continue with their holiday until completed and then go fly back because they would be arranged at the CAA, Civil Aviation Authority, on their website, it would explain how, in fact, they would get back if they were abroad. And if they hadn't gone at that state, they'd still be refunded through this atoll protection. Now, in this particular case, Thomas Cook, they also had flights only's protected. And it's a bit confusing as to why that would be, because from what I said earlier was flight only's are not protected. But in this particular case, where... Thomas Cook had a whole plane full of flight seats. 
Some of them may not have been sold, but they are all atoll protected because Thomas Cook had the whole plane, all the seats were protected. They then sold those seats which were available because not all the seats had been sold and they are going to be atoll protected flight only seats, which is totally different to what I mentioned earlier. But again, it does say you need to look on the Civil Aviation website for clarification there. Now, you could could have, you could, sorry, have gone to a high street or you could have gone, yes, obviously, to a high street, a travel agent. You could have gone down there to buy a Thomas Cook holiday. Now, if you'd gone to the Thomas Cook travel agency and they'd sold you a product, which isn't a Thomas Cook product, they sold you another product from another company, then if it was a package, the actual person who the Thomas Cook had booked with for the customer, so don't mention any names, but if they'd booked with a bigger company and it wasn't a Thomas Cook one, but Thomas Cook travel agent had sold it, it was the responsibility of that organiser or principal, as they called, to continue with that holiday as booked. So they can't just say to customers, that's it, I'm afraid you can't, we can't pay for you anymore. You'll have to go home and pay for your own flights. No, as a travel agent, they do have that responsibility. So, and then of course, if you, Thomas Cook did sell non-flight packages as well. If they sell, sold non-flight packages, then they were protected, as it turned out, through ABTA, the Association of British Travel Agents, which I'm sure you've heard of, but they could go there, travellers, if they were concerned. If they had not gone, ABTA would refund, and if they are out there, ABTA would arrange for repatriation. So you can see there are quite a few different ways, in fact, with the Thomas Cook arrangements, that the customers were protected, which is important for them because if it's booked through a travel agent or it's booked online or it's booked through telephone, this whole Thomas Cook collapse shows you what can happen if everything is properly protected in any package or any other arrangements that you purchase through them. It seems with package holidays, there are a lot of elements where the gap between what's been advertised and the reality could potentially be open to interpretation. I'm thinking, for example, of a room that's advertised as having a sea view when in fact you'd need a telescope to even make out the vaguest suggestion of the sea. How often do you encounter those kind of situations? We do find it reasonably regularly, but uh, I mean, if you're talking about, say, for example, a sea view, it has to be made obvious that in the brochures, if it came out of a brochure or online, of course, or even through the telephone, it must be made very clear that if it's a sea view, you do actually get that sea view. We've had complaints in the past, and you'll see from the guidance document that I've given you an example of exactly where a sea view was advertised, but when the customers went out to that particular hotel, their sea view had been painted on a white wall in the bedroom, which, I mean, that's an extreme example, but... If you want a sea view, it's not a case of being on the side of the hotel and then you have to hang your head out right out to get a sea view. It's whatever is reasonable. And as I said, the regulations, well, they were in the old ones as well, you have to have an accurate description. And if, for example, how do they check is accurate? Well, you can't just pluck a hotel out of nowhere, so to speak, and you don't check it to see what the sea view is and then advertise it. So... In our view, there has to be quite extensive due diligence, we call it. So what steps have they taken to ensure that when they advertise 
uh, package holiday or hotel for sale, should we say, that they'd actually checked it out to see whether, for example, the fire escapes are in place, the fact that it has been checked out for the swimming pools are clean, there is a swimming pool there before they advertise it. If there is a sea view mentioned, then yes, it should have a sea view. So there are a number of these different uh, descriptions that can be made, mainly if they can be made online, I think, these ones, uh, and where if they're not clear, then customers should report immediately just as a matter of thing for travellers who are going out to these places, report immediately to whoever sold them the product. And then if they don't get any luck then, they're not moved or they're not given the sea view room, then they've got to make sure they make a complaint when they get back, either to ourselves or firstly to the operator to find out why they haven't done it properly. And the package travel, the new rules, make it very clear that there is extensive liability for anybody who's selling a traveller a hotel abroad to make sure it's accurate and it's safe. That's the important thing. And presumably there's an onus on consumers to document the evidence for any complaint they may have. After all, it's not like a trading standards officer is going to be able to pay a visit to the hotel in person. I think that uh, from a trading standards point of view, we'd love to be able to travel out to these places to check, but... But as you said, it doesn't happen. And in fact, there are things to remember as a traveller. Yes, as you said, is to make a complaint immediately to the operator if there is a contact detail, like there should be, because it should now, the new rules say, you should have a 24-hour number to contact to check if you have any problems. So you should immediately check it with the operator and make sure that if they can't help then, you have some way of... Um, providing evidence to them of exactly what was found. For example, as you've said yourself, it may be that um, it wasn't provided, uh, the actual whole of the um, holiday wasn't provided as it was described. And in fact, it should be something which a photograph could indicate or even details of what response they got from the hotel, if they got any response. But they've got to make sure they've got something to show to the operator when they come back, that the fact they contacted them, whatever the response was, they take a photograph to see exactly what they're complaining about. And then they go, the best thing would be to go back to the operator themselves. Now, if uh, it may not be that everybody will think of trading standards, but of course we can take action if it's clear. However, the now most of the big operators are providing alternative dispute resolution. In fact, ABTA, if they're an ABTA member, ABTA will obviously will be saying, we do have a, an alternative dispute resolution here. We've also got arbitration. And in fact, at Trading Standards, the head office, we have uh, guaranteed that their um, well, ADR, it's called uh, alternative dispute resolution, is correct and something consumers can use. So there is that sort of way, those three main elements they've got to do to make sure everything's all right. So what are the benefits of ADR? ADR is something which is a positive way of trying to resolve the issue. Now, as you're probably aware, if you do go down that route, it may not be that you can go to court afterwards, but for a day in court will cost you. And in fact, with ADR, it's got quite good uh, scores, really, in fact, to resolving customer complaints. And I think as long as 
for example, I have to use them as an example, they've got a very good ADR. And uh, if you are an ABTA member and you have an issue as a consumer with an ABTA member, you're more than likely to be able to get something back from ABTA uh, through their service. And as far as you can say at the moment, what with the current uncertainty, what effect is Brexit likely to have on some of the issues we're talking about? There is quite a lot of information out for travellers regarding what uh, is necessary under passports. For example, they're going to have at least six months if they're travelling abroad. Um, I think the main, th- well, not the main thing, one of the main things is the fact with Brexit, if you're still going to book a holiday, the new regulations are saying that uh, where you may buy or you may purchase, sorry, online a package from somebody in the member states and the other 27 member states, you will purchase a package deliberately, although sometimes... Uh, consumers or travellers rather will purchase without realising they bought from somebody in the European uh, Union because they may not make it clear. Some .co.uk companies may well be based abroad, but they're using that to sell. Now, the main point I'm making is that they should, whatever is sold as a package, protect the customer's money. Now, it did say in the regulations that if you were buying from somebody in the other member states, there's no problem with that, you can buy a package, but all that tour operator abroad would have to make sure they did was comply with whatever insolvency protection was used in that member state as opposed to relying on an atoll or an ABTA protection or some other protection from the UK. Now, when Brexit comes, all that will change because it won't be a case of if you bought, sorry, you do buy from abroad, but there won't be any need to ensure that customers are told what insolvency protection is in place. And that will make it slightly more confusing for travellers to know, well, what am I buying from? Who am I buying from? Now, perhaps it won't have that much problem because there may not be uh, customers or travellers who actually purchase so much from those companies who operate from abroad. But it can be somebody like low cost holidays you remember that company recently who upped and left the uk they're based in crawley moved out to spain kept selling under the heading of low cost holidays the customer still thought they were english based company based over there in spain yet when they came and the company collapsed the total difference in the spanish insolvency protection system meant that Instead of getting a full refund, like they do with the English systems, they only got a per person, per pari passu, they called it. So they didn't get a full refund. So there's an issue to say with Brexit, exactly how it's going to change you and your method of protection. I like to be able to say things like, well, always purchase from somebody based in the UK because you know you're going to get that protection. If you come back here, you can actually get something sorted out from here. Well, just to finish things off then, do you have any best practice advice for others in trading standards or for businesses when it comes to making sure consumers are protected when they're booking holidays? I think that uh, the Thomas Cook situation underlines the fact that when travellers go to purchase, now, main thing is to say the customers, the travellers, are they given the right information before they part with their money? Because the law is quite clear that the three main issues with these new rules are, number one, is it a package you bought? Number two, is it a linked travel arrangement? And most importantly, number three is, what information were you given? Because you have to be given as a traveller 
information prior to making that booking. So standard information about who it is who's providing that protection and standard issues with when your times are and dates and hotels and just statements like that. But also but also, you're going to have to, as a traveller, get information once you've actually paid your money, the contract, the confirmation of contract, also you should be given information then. It's obvious to think that uh, online it'll be a lot easier because what will happen there, until we get some process and know exactly how it's going to occur, they may well be just providing the traveller with links to provide them with the information of insolvency protection or descriptions or information, which is all very well makes it easy, but... Unfortunately, we're used to going online now, I wouldn't say all of us, but some of us are used to going online, seeing where there's a box saying tick for terms and conditions. Once you've ticked that, you've moved on and you've, they assume you've absorbed all the information, but not every time have you done that. And that could be an issue in the future, certainly. Well, that's it for another episode. Thanks to Bruce Trelaw for talking to us and thank you for listening. We'll be back again in a fortnight's time with more from the world of trading standards. If you have any ideas or suggestions for the podcast or you just want to get in touch, send us an email to madetomeasure at jtsmag.uk. Don't forget to like and subscribe on iTunes or wherever you're listening to us. Until next time, goodbye. Goodbye.